Welcome to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm so grateful that you tuned in today. It means a lot to me. If you love this conversation and you want to continue it or want to share your thoughts, your takeaways, or any ahas that come up, come on over to Instagram. That is where I spend most of my time when it comes to social media. I'm at cindy.macmillan on Instagram. Make sure you're following me. Say hello. I'd love to hear from you. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce Tanya Rex. Tanya Rex is a commercial photographer, an intuitive guide, and whole healing practitioner. She currently guides successful women who have lost themselves in the daily grind to rebalance and find their truth through unconditional self-love. Her passion is working with teens, and she will be shifting over to this solely and launching an eight-week course for teens in a few weeks. Tanya, I'm super excited you are here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be having this conversation. I'm, and I'm really happy that you're here. I haven't had anybody on to talk about teens. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I'd love to hear your story about wanting to change your current business to focusing on teens. What is the backstory to that? Um, so, yeah, a few years ago, I my life was changed through... The discovery of unconditional self-love and so coming from that happened when i was approximately 40 years old and so coming from that space i was thinking that my ideal client was woman like me who could benefit from the same uh, transformation in their life and then when COVID hit in 2020 we, I think the whole world went into this cocoon of panic and fear. And in the beginning, I think that some people were a little bit excited by it because it was new and it meant that we all got to spend more time with our families. But very soon, statistics and the media started to give the true stories of what was happening. And that was more about, well, I noticed the statistics of how mental health issues and suicide attempts um, and suicides, successful suicide rates, had skyrocketed amongst teenagers and young adults. And I have two daughters. They are now seven and nine years old, so they're not teenagers yet. But it was something that I couldn't stop thinking about. And one night as I was going to bed, I had this feeling that I had to help teenagers through photography, um, well, to find themselves through photography. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I thought I'll sleep on it and tomorrow morning I'll figure it out. And by the time I woke up the next morning, I had the whole plan in my head. I hadn't thought about it. I'd slept on it, but it was there. And so without really thinking about the logistics or practicalities of what I was going to be doing, I decided that I wanted to send disposable film cameras to 30 teenagers around the world and ask them to document their stories. 
And so I got in contact with a company that could provide the cameras. Um, I paid for them, but um, they were a little bit difficult to find in the UAE. And I started looking for teenagers. And it was, it was interesting because some people were really anti the idea and other people embraced it wholeheartedly and I couldn't get them a camera fast enough. But as I started connecting with teenagers around the world, the whole project started to come together. And as I mentioned, I didn't really think about the logistics and especially since the world had kind of shut down. Um, it wasn't always that easy to get cameras to refugee camps in Sudan or into India that was under complete lockdown for almost a year. But somehow I managed to get to, I think it was um, 18 or 20 countries um, some of the cameras did get stolen, some of them did go missing, some of them never got back to me, so I don't really know what happened. But I also sent out an interview, well, interview questions um, with the cameras. And the stories that I got back were just really beautiful. And as I started reading everybody's personal story, I noticed that it didn't really matter what their social level was or where they were in the world. All the teens seemed to be coming back with a really similar story of wanting to connect in any way. They missed hugging. They missed speaking in person. They missed the, I don't think any of them said it, but it, I got the underlying feeling that they missed the energy that they got from people on a personal level on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and then I started getting the roles of film and they were just, they were absolutely incredible. And as you mentioned, um, I am a commercial photographer. So I had had in my head that I was going to adjust the images, make them perfect, straighten them, brighten them. <laughs> and when they came back, they were raw, they were unedited, and they were perfect as they are. But back to your original question. <laughs> Sorry, I love the project so much that I, I kind of went off on that. Um, through this, I realized that I'm from South Africa and um, our country does have quite a few problems and there are so many political um, problems happening around the world. And I thought, what if I could start kind of um, motivating future leaders to come from a space that is motivated from self-love, confidence, authenticity and a, an aligned belief that essentially is for the greatest good of all. Um, and so that is how I started actually working with teens and pivoting my business um, from woman to this younger generation that 
do have many more years and the ability to change the world. Tanya, I love everything about what you just said, your project, and that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on. It's so unique in the way that you sent out the cameras to the teens and allowed that project to kind of, I'm going to say, blossom. Mm -hmm. And so can you go ahead and just maybe tell us a few stories around that project of um, of the pictures that you received back? Because I don't know, when it comes to teenagers, I mean, they're, they're growing, you know, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, and they are so creative. So I can just imagine the type of stories that you got back. Yeah, um, it, was, it was really interesting. Some of them were extremely unexpected. Um, the first roll of film that I got back was from a 12-year-old boy who lived in Belarus. And one of the first images that he took was of his mother and sister lying in a um, cast iron bath that was in a field and it was being heated by a fire from underneath. And this the way that he just captured life and innocence and his story, you know, his his vision, what he saw was unbelievable. Um, there was another, I think the first batch of, of film that I got back was, I think, four or five roles. There was another one from a young girl in Afghanistan and she had taken a picture of two young children in a tree and you could see the sun setting behind them and just the joy and the innocence of on their faces was was something that um yeah i I can't even I, i can't explain it and give it justice because the image the image just speaks for itself But one thing that I did really learn from this project was that teens are people too. And I say that with a bit of a giggle because when I was a teenager, I wanted people to see that about me. So maybe that's why I related so much to this this project. And I feel that so often teens are not given the credit that they deserve for the knowledge and the emotional intelligence that they really do have. And they're often blamed for not communicating in a family when, where they were never allowed to have an opinion. Or on the other hand, they're expected to act like adults when they've never been given the guidance on how to think. They've only been told what to think. And for many teens and young adults, they've only really been encouraged to figure out the system being school or college or university or even in their first jobs in a corporate um, society that enables them to be seen as excelling um, when they know the rules of that system. So as long as they follow those rules, they can excel and everybody's okay with them. Um, But, you know, in the case of COVID, The teens were expected to be able to figure out things that most adults didn't know how to deal with. 
And I've noticed that most often it's actually parents that contact me, not teenagers. <laughs> but they always contact me about their troubled teen. And the parent sees the outer behavior that they feel is disturbing and they punish or react to that behavior instead of dealing with the emotions and the inner causes um, of the behavior. And one behavioral story from the quarantine project that maybe isn't directly related to this, but it really was possibly... When I sent out those cameras, I thought if I can just touch one person and if, and affect one life in a positive way, I think that this would be that story. And um, one of the teens told me that um, he was so happy to be a part of the project because his father was an alcoholic and it had been a problem before COVID but then during COVID, when they were stuck in a house together 24 hours a day for a couple of months, um, his drinking and um, his ag aggression had increased. And he said that the teen admitted to me that he had responded by becoming more aggressive himself. And he said that when he had the camera he told his father about the project. I had spoken to the parents. I didn't know this about his father at the time. But he said his father left him alone because he didn't want the, photo the son to photograph his outbursts. You know, it's, uh, I get goosebumps now just talking about it. But um, I think my, my biggest outtake was that no matter where and how each teen lived, they all had a similar longing to connect and be seen and I think that that's why a lot of them chose to be a part of this project and chose to trust me with their some of their most intimate moments and um, it, it was just incredible. Are you going to put like a sh an art show together what are you going to do with the, the pictures now that you've received them back? <laughs> um, that's an interesting question because I didn't expect COVID to last so long. <laughs> so actually on the website and the Facebook page, I had said that there will be an, ex an exhibition in summer 2021. Parts of the world were still quite closed then. So... Yes, I would like to possibly print a book um, with the images and I would love for the proceeds of that book, if there's just one, to go to the Idris Foundation, which is the foundation that connected me with our um, young photographer in the refugee camp in Sudan. Um, so yes, there would hopefully be a book coming and I was planning to maybe connect in person with some of the people um, that had been a part of the project and possibly do an exhibition in some of the countries and cities that they live in. That, that all sounds really exciting. And, you know, these are teenagers and they have a long life ahead of them. And you have probably inspire them in ways that you're not going to know right now yeah it could be you know 20 years from now but having put together something 
And as you mentioned, they just wanted to be seen where they, you could see them, the world can see them, is just really going to impact them. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. And I know that some of the teens have continued with their journey into photography. The one thing that I actually didn't think about, I am now 48 years old and um, I started, when I started photography, when I first started learning, I was shooting on film. So for me, it was like, oh, I'll send 30 teens these disposable film cameras and let them get on with it. And I didn't realize that some of them had never seen a roll of film. Some of them didn't know how to wind the camera. You know, so there were small things. And I think that that aspect is actually what inspired a couple of them to continue their journey with photography because it was something that was so new and I would like to say inspired because it was, it gave them, it made them think differently about their process of seeing or creating or being. Um, because the format was so different. So, yes, I hope that some of them have been inspired, whether I know it or not. Um, that would be wonderful. This whole conversation really leads me into one of my favorite questions, and that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Mm. Um. It's funny because personally, I, I think I've had three seasons of life so far and they have nothing to do with my age or anything like that. Um, it's more around, I guess, spirituality and I grew up in a very religious family and as a teen, I started asking questions and I didn't really find answers. So I would say that I walked away from religion and, and rather accepted morality as my way of being. So the Ten Commandments gave me a great background for how I, I, for what I thought good morals were. And now I'm in a space of spirituality and it just feels more all-encompassing and more wholesome, if I can say that for me personally. Um, on a business level, I have noticed that I seem to have 10-year cycles. And it's not necessarily about not loving what I do. So um, I was in the hospitality industry for 10 years, and I loved it, and I did really well at it. And then I became a makeup artist for 12 years and I loved it and I was good at it and I there was a natural progression towards photography which I loved and I still do love and now I'm moving on to coaching and and hopefully spreading a more authentic message and it's not that I am bored or anything like that. But I think through all of those things, I've been looking for myself. And I feel like I've finally come to this place where I understand who I am and what I want. And I can use my life experience 
to help others. So whether I carry on um, being a commercial photographer or not, I love that the quarantine project has enabled me to use the knowledge I have to connect and inspire other people. You can see why that's my favorite question because it just opens... I don't think a lot of people really sit and think about that. And it just opens up, you know, that self-reflection about their life and everything. And and I really do think each season has its own unique experiences, its changes, growth opportunities. So like you were saying, it's not that you're bored. It's just that you're growing. Yeah. And I think when you first asked that question, I did immediately think, and obviously seeing the the title of your podcast, um, I did immediately think about age. And then I thought, you know, my age has absolutely nothing to do with my seasons of life. It's my personal growth and development through the years that is forming those seasons. And yeah, I, I... I hope that when I am 82, I still want to be learning and growing and developing myself and teaching and hopefully inspiring other people. I love that. A woman after my own heart, I tell (laughs) you. So what's the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months and why? Oh, I am... I have surprises all the time, actually. Um, I think my biggest surprise was actually to look back recently and realize that I was living the life that I had created and that I'd always wanted. And as I said, you know, I have grown and developed. And I remember when I was younger, I remember once thinking, I just want to be happy. And I... I don't even know if I knew what happy was at the time. Um, But I look back now at my life and I'm like, wow, I'm happy. I'm, I think I, I have an inner peace that was possibly what I was always searching for. And I didn't even know it existed until I had it. And Recently, I realized that sometimes the best things in life don't pop up and show themselves immediately. They're not often obvious. Sometimes they're subtle. And um, this realization actually happened while I was meditating. And I'd been trying to figure out why I'd done the quarantine project in the first place. Because um, at the time, I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to connect. I knew that it was right for me and it was right for anybody who accepted the invitation. But I didn't really know where it was going to go. It wasn't something that I wanted to make money out of. Um, But I finished the project in January 2022 and I thought that that was that. I thought it was done. And then I realized that I'd already started to work with teens. I realized that recently that because of this project, it had just been a natural progression to start connecting with teens. And I never really advertised it. I never told people about it. But by word of mouth, um, 
it had just started happening. And I'd been able to connect my love of photography and my passion for helping others. And it was happening without me even realizing it. And it was after this realization that I decided to pivot my business so that teens would be my main focus. I surprised myself often, and I was quite surprised that, I'd ne- that I hadn't really made that connection consciously. You know, I really appreciate you, you talking about how sometimes things don't need to pop up and have that immediate satisfaction. Sometimes it needs to kind of like marinate. Mm-hmm. And, and then it comes to the surface. And I think we're in such this society of everything has to happen so fast. Exactly, exactly. And I think everybody's just looking for instant gratification all the time. And I think on that note, um, manifestation has become a kind of code word, you know, and, and I think a lot of people misunderstand it. And they think that if they sit and vibrate and they're a good person and they meditate, that things are going to come their way instantly. And I think that something I've realized is that manifestation doesn't always look the way you think it's going to look. Um, It doesn't always happen instantly, but we're always creating, we're always attracting, we're always putting it out there. And sometimes it softly and quietly just comes back to us, which is amazing. I read a post that you made on Facebook and one line just jumped out at me. And, you were, and it's going back to the teens, but you said, I now guide teens to see past the filters and confusion of everyday life so they can discover the beauty of themselves and be unbothered by the world around them. And I was hoping you could give us a couple of tips on seeing past those filters and changing our perspective. Now, I think you're doing this with teenagers, but I think that is across the board, you know, just as as human beings. And I'd love for you to speak on that. Well, I'm sure it comes as no surprise since what I've been talking about is photography, that the literal filters that so many people are using on various social media platforms are causing big issues with self-perception, self-image and self-esteem. And many people are only seeing a filtered and edited version of other people's lives that's really hard to live up to if you feel that you need to keep up with the Joneses, or it's really difficult to maintain if you're the one putting it out there. And this is why the quarantine project was so interesting because some of the teens were showing a raw version of their lives for the very first time. And they didn't even know what the images looked like. And they were trusting me with this expression of themselves. And the natural beauty of every photo that gave a glimpse of each person's life was something that I realized I would never alter or change, as I mentioned earlier. But the more emotional version is that when you learn to look at the world from a new perspective, you might see a version that you didn't realize was there. And this could be as simple as seeing the good in a bad situation, 
or really focusing on gratitude. And I know that this is another thing that gets mentioned and people say every morning when you wake up, think of three things that you're grateful for. And I think some people just do it without feeling. But when you really think, I'm going to have a sip of water and I'm so grateful for what it's doing to my body, what it's doing to my cells. I'm so grateful that I'm able to open a tap and get water whenever I want. It really changes everything. And it could also be of seeing something from someone else's perspective. And we're all influenced by the things that we see, hear, feel, and experience throughout our lives. So everything that we judge is judged from only our perspective. But if we learn to look from the other side, we might get a completely different picture. And I realized with, and this can obviously apply to anybody of any age, but one story that came back on the quarantine project was from Sudan. And one of the questions that I'd asked was, now that you've finished the project, would you consider or would you continue um, taking photos on film? And I, I had a preconceived idea of what a refugee camp looked like and a preconceived idea about or perception about um, technology and things within a refugee camp. And her reply came back and she said, no, I think I'd still like to be able to see the pictures on my cell phone before I show them to anybody. <laughs> so it was like, Tanya, you really need to change your perception. You know, I'd, I'd really been influenced by the media and by what I'd seen. Um, so, yeah, learning to see things in general from somebody else's perspective can really help you to live a life um, that's more accepting, more authentic, and less judgmental um, when you start to see a bigger picture. You, you said a, a couple of things throughout our time here, and it, and it just kind of like um, made me think back to when I first started like taking pictures, you know, everything was on film, mm -hmm. and you had to wait till you got the film back. And of course, now in my case, half of them, you know, were to be thrown away because they were, you know, not what I was expecting. And going back to the instant um, gratification of being able to see that picture on your cell phone. And I know even for, for me, Tanya, I might take 20 before there's one that I want to post. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're able to do it on film, going back to that being that raw and authentic and, and seeing what's really there. I don't know, that just came to me as you were talking. Well, now that you mention it, as, as a commercial photographer, in order to shoot one billboard, I might shoot 500 shots of the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, I didn't realize that for a billboard. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't only you that needed to take a few, a few versions. I mean, that's, that's around product and client expectations and things like that. So I'm just saying it's not just you. <laughs> but um, 
I think that living in a digital world makes things so much easier and but it also makes things I might say so much less appreciated like you can take a picture of anything and you go oh uh, oh no I don't really like that one I'll take another one oh I don't like that one I'll take another one and I did notice that um, to be honest some of the teens didn't put as much effort in as some others and that's okay too it's you know it was their own story that they were putting together but there wasn't one teen who took multiple images of the same thing and the beautiful part of that is that they must have thought about what they wanted to put out there you know and whether it was of the trees or whether it was of three families living in a one-bedroom apartment whatever that image showed you could tell that they had thought about it and it meant something to them and again that was that was really heartwarming and i actually shot a couple of rolls of film and it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be because I had no control. You couldn't control the focus. You couldn't control the light, you, you know, the exposure or anything like that. But I know even for myself, doing it and knowing that I had some of the roles of film at 29 and some had 39 um, exposures, knowing that I had that limited space to tell my story really made me more present and more aware of what was around me and so for me personally it increased my appreciation for what I had and maybe it helped I think it was a lesson in presence so that now I can bring myself into this moment and see the synchronicities that have been happening all around me. And as I said, the quarantine project I started in 2020, we're now in 2023, and I've only just realized how that and coaching fit together, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think presence with that was something that was really important. I love that you that you also took photographs with these cameras and that that was the lesson that you learned mm -hmm. was around that presence. What's the one big takeaway that you really want our listeners that are listening to us today and in the future, what do you want them to get from this episode? I would love for listeners to be able to see the value of being themselves, of speaking their truth and of living in their own authenticity however that looks because as i mentioned before i think so often we allow our ego to get in the way and so we only want to show certain parts of it of our lives but when we start to speak our truth and living our authenticity it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing once you realize the beauty of who you are and you're able to shine past 
all of the limitations that you might feel that you have or insecurities or doubts and fears that you feel that you might have. And I've grown to learn that everyone's born equal and although social structures and um, geographical elements might divide us, when we exist from, I'm going to say essence, and I mean that from a heart or a soul perspective, however you see as your true essence and take inspired action in everything that we do, we can really overcome anything because it's all again about that perspective. And as I said, some people might let their ego take over, but when you open your heart and your mind to intuition and inspiration, you can see through all of that to see the beauty of every living being. And for myself, I realized recently that I am still judgmental. I'm still human. <laughs> um, I try for my human to not come out too much all the time, but I realized recently that two times in life that I am not judgmental at all is through photography and through coaching. And I can really, it doesn't matter who is in front of my camera, I can see the beauty in every single person. And I wish sometimes that people can see that beauty in themselves. Oh, that, that really touched my heart. We, we often are so judgmental towards ourselves mm -hmm. that for somebody else to see our beauty sometimes is what we need to, to help that come out. Okay, I, I'm loving this conversation and I could go on and on, but I, I want to respect your time. What would you thank your 18-year-old self for? Ooh. <laughs> oh. um, my 18-year-old self was, she was trying to be a rebel. <laughs> um, and yeah, she was wonderful. She didn't know it at the time. But I do know that she heard her intuition. She didn't always listen to it but I know that she heard it. So I'd like her to thank her for staying open, no matter what was thrown at her. And even though she didn't necessarily know how to trust her intuition, she was bold and she was brave and sometimes went against the grain, but without her, I wouldn't be who I am today. I love that. How can people work with you? I Your website, social media. Mm -hmm. So I do have a Facebook page, a private Facebook group called Soul Tribe, Your Journey to Self-Love. And that is, as the title suggests, um, just weekly reminders about self-love and self-care. It's 
a happy, positive space and anybody is welcome to join. Um, uh, my company is called Soul Tribe Coaching. So um, right now it's still really focused towards um, adult women. And as you mentioned earlier, I'm going to be pivoting completely towards the teen program, eight-week teen program that I'll be launching in a few weeks. But if anybody wants to get in touch with me directly, you can do that at Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, at soultribecoaching.com. Otherwise, my website is soultribecoaching.com. I appreciate you being on the podcast. I've loved every single minute of it. And I really, I thank you for doing the project and for coming on and telling us about it. Thank you. I just remembered one last thing. <laughs> if you would like to see the photos from the quarantine project, um, there is a website, which is thedevelopingstory.com, um, so that I could add more stories in the future. Um, otherwise, there is a Facebook page by the same name. And I will make sure all that is in the show notes so people can go out there and check it Perfect. out. Thank you. All right. Thank you again. My pleasure. It was wonderful to meet you. And um, I look forward to following your podcast in the future. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining Tanya Rex and myself this week on Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. I know just how many podcasts you could have been listening to, and I have a personal favor to ask. Can you share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic? Make sure to visit my website, CynthiaMacMillan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, so you'll never miss an episode. And in closing, you are not alone, you are worthy, and you are good enough.